Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product Led Podcast. I am so excited for this topic today. So we have it here. It's all going to be about how to generate a 30% month over month user growth. So Andy here has a ton of experience growing successful unicorns, as he puts it. And he, at his latest company, Gated, is really leading a revolution as far as like how you do email. How do you not get those you know annoying, buggy emails from people you just don't want? So he's doing some amazing things. But Andy, can you just share a little bit more about yourself, your backgrounds, and why you're so passionate about this topic? Oh, I love it. Yes. So I've spent the last 20 years of my career basically building go-to-market machines. Um, I've done it for Upwork, Box, and most recently, CultureAmp. Um, had a chance to work with some amazing people in between. I've done some interesting startups. At CultureAmp, I think we were a serious D or E company, and I was just getting blown up with email. So I wrote this email that basically said, I don't know you. Here's my Venmo link. If you'd like to donate 10 cents to Wounded Warrior via my Venmo, I guarantee I'll read the email. And people started donating, but they didn't just donate 10 cents. They donate 20 bucks, 50 bucks. And so I spent a year on the side just iterating on it and innovating on the idea. And some really influential people have uh, believed in what we're trying to do here, which is reduce the noise in email. Um, so that's kind of my journey. I'd say I've probably sent or helped teams send over a billion emails. Um, I pushed send on one message to 30 million people um, one time and uh, I've caused a lot of pain for email. So this is the culmination of my career to give back to people, to help people control as a buyer, which is you know part of the PLG focus as well too, which is as a buyer, we are, believe we are building the first tool to help buyers defend themselves. That is awesome. And yeah, having used the tool too, I think it's a really great way to just support causes too that you really do care about. And also more importantly, <laughs> reduce the noise because it does get noisy out there. So I know we we have a lot we wanted to go through today. We were kind of struggling to figure out, okay, where's like one thing? Because you just yeah. really, you got so many different ideas. Uh, but want to take us through just what are some of the first things you have done to really build this user engine at Gated? Uh, because you're generating like 30% month over month growth for users. So you're definitely doing something right. Um, so can you like peel off the bandaid here and just kind of go through like what were some of the first few things that you did to really build this engine? Yeah. So um, for the first like nine months, we were in kind of like call it 50 to 100 user beta. So we got a chance to really like get to know those people, experiment, work out the things while we were building the platform that we could scale. Um, so we launched that platform late March, but uh, we got to really understand like what makes users tick, how can we engage them and how can we turn them into advocates? Um, I'd say probably one of the biggest things we did early on, and I took a lot of these lessons from CultureAmp was we built a very easy way for people to give testimonials. You know, I think a lot of people start people off with testimonials on G2, but that can take like 20 to 30 minutes and be very intimidating. So we've got maybe a three to four minute type form where people can start on the testimonial, then they're in our flow and we can start to turn them into advocates in other ways. You know, I think, so that's one is that that testimonial machine has been great. And then we thought about like, how are the moments of delight with our product? And what are those moments where we can reach out to people to try to, when they have that moment of delight, they're like, wow, this is cool. Or, oh, my, my inbox is so clean. Or, wow, I just got my first donation for my favorite charity. It's very easy of like, hey, thanks so much. It's great. Like, would you mind giving us a, a two-minute testimonial? And people do. So we've been live for two months, two and a half months. We've got over 100 testimonials, um, which has been powerful. That's huge. So take me through that testimonial engine. You mentioned it's a type form. And I'm trying to like visualize, okay, yes, type form, I get that. How do you like use this? Is it just literally like people saying, okay, here's my name, here's my email, 
this is what I love about your service? Or do you have something else that that's going on there? Yeah. So, um, you know, we basically say like, you always want to start a survey off with uh, questions that they don't have to think. It's just like a pick list. And so we say like, what are the five or seven things that, uh, you know, pick two of these things that have been most impactful for you on Gated. Um, that also prompts them in the right mind. Then we ask them, you know, in your own words, like tell us how Gated's been impactful for you. One we added about two months ago was because we know we're changing behavior a little bit, which was what apprehensions did you have before you use Gated and how did Gated address those? And that's helped a lot inform our marketing. Then we're basically like, do you want to use your LinkedIn or do you want to upload a new photo? And that's it. And then we send them, we say, thank you so much. We'll get you your testimonial in 24 hours. And we say, hey, if you'd be willing to help more, go to G2. If they don't, we will then follow up with them later on that as well too. And so that's been, that's kind of the core engine and we wanted to make it as simple and easy as possible. Maybe stepping back for one second, why testimonials are so important is Gated's changing behavior. Think of like Calendly or Gong. They felt really uncomfortable when you first did them. And so social proof becomes one of the easiest ways to short circuit that mental barrier as well too. Totally. So uh, if I understand correctly too, you get those specific like, okay, in my own words, this is what I found the most impactful as well as some of those apprehensions, which I imagine too, you're also using on the marketing end for handling like what are some of those big objections and what's the recurring stuff here that maybe on the sales page or the signup page, we definitely do have to handle. Is there any other ways that you kind of utilize that data and insights? Yeah. So the testimonials also become like a personalized landing page for every user. So we are creating those. Um, those go in their signatures as well too. Um, so that's been powerful. Our marketing, you're right. Like I just posted out one or two today around like, what are those reasons that people aren't yet signing up for Gated and specific testimonials that address those things. And then we're also, we found like celebrating our users has been really effective on social media as well too. So how do you celebrate users? Because I love this because it's like I always tell people uh, the whole like secret behind building a product-led business is your user success will eventually become your success. The more successful you help your users, that ultimately gives them a lot more reasons to become a customer in a lot of cases too, because they want access to that value again and again. So how do you celebrate user success? Yeah, we found those moments in users' journeys, like not thinking about us, but thinking about them, where both we're celebrating them, but we're also, it's a moment where Gated becomes more valuable. So two of those would be, if you fundraised, you're about to get blown up. And so we've seen a lot of users say like, I can't imagine announcing a fundraise without Gated. We also, when somebody does fundraise, we love to celebrate that. So we've seen like two, 300 likes on some of those posts. Um, another one is a job change, right? Like when you move in a new job change, people, SDRs are going to identify you, <laughs> start to send you a lot of emails. And so that's another time when we'll celebrate those. So we're not only able to celebrate users, but we're able to tie them to moments that like tie them back to our product as well too. Okay. So how do you monitor all those things? Because is it just like by the domain and you're like, okay, like this startup raised capital, let's celebrate that. Or is it some other way that you're kind of monitoring this? Well, job change we often see because we will somebody will add another email to their gated account or remove one. So we're able to like actually monitor that from our product. Similarly with like fundraises, you know, I remember one CEO got nine donations within a day because it had hit the news wires and they were doing it. So we're able to literally like instrument our product to pick those things up, which is maybe a little bit unique. But yeah, we were like, well, wow, that guy just all of a sudden has gotten a ton of donations or that woman's changing something. So those have been some creative strategies there for sure. Interesting. 
Yeah, and I love it too, because like I imagine at that point too, when their email is blowing up and they're getting like those donation notifications too, it feels like, hey, this is really great. <laughs> Especially when I mean like the only benefit of you know having like hundreds of people reach out to you is like, oh my goodness, like I guess there's very little. It's just this is more noisy in my inbox than it used to be. So there's a, a pro that comes out of it all. Yeah, everybody that raises or like gets promoted is probably, you know, it's, it's a classic play, right? Like <laughs> those are triggers to send people emails. Um, so they happen to work really well. Yeah. The, the moments of euphoria in our product are neat, right? Like the, when the first morning you wake up and your email box is 30% to 40% lighter, the first, you know, typically within a couple of days, you'll get your first donation and you'll get this nice email with a little emoji on it. And, you know, we're trying to get people to, you know, just be like, Hey, that's awesome. And it, as soon as you hear that, you drop in a testimonial form, if you let them talk about your product in your own words, and then that becomes the bigger, those people have basically stuck their hands up and said, like, I'm a power user and really passionate about you. The other cool thing we see, Wes, is every morning we wake up and we're tagged on LinkedIn within between like five to 10 posts of somebody has been complaining about email pain and somebody in our network that we've turned into an advocate, not people we know, but like our users, and we'll talk about senders in a minute, have tagged us and said, Hey, sounds like pain. Sounds like you should get gated. So like I'd say every morning task to be able to like, to thank the person, follow on on that thing. And and so we're building this huge social word of mouth on that side. I love it. So you talked a little bit about like what, what is in that type form, how you kind of capture it, how you utilize it. But we, we missed one part, which is how do you gather it? Is it automated? Or like you mentioned one thing there where it was like, hey, people reach out. They're like, this is amazing. And like, it's more of a manual process, it sounds like at that point. But is it all manual or is there like some automated components to it as well and how that all works? Yeah, I'm a big... So um, the short answer is... We try to not over-automate. Like I come from an ops thing and I think some people can err on the side of like over-automate too early. I think we we automate pieces of it as we go, right? So the fun, if you talk on the practicalities, it's the type form goes to an Airtable. And then that Airtable is our central database of champions of us. We have within there, like there's one table for testimonials. There's other table for like other ways people are championing us. And so we've got kind of a source of truth of people that are our champions and passionate. And then we have like, wait, if you've gone to this place, here's the next step we want to take you on. I think we think, you know, because Airtable is so flexible, we think about how do we integrate that into, you know, our intercom and all of those types of things and in our product data. Um, but I think a lot of people make mistakes, which is they over-automate too early. Totally. Yeah. No need to do that. So things break. <laughs> Well, I mean, I started off just I started off getting on the phone with people and being like, hey, tell me about your thing. And then I would write it up. And then I was like, okay, can I just send them a type form? And then we started to realize like, how do we make it better? And how do we make, you know, and then we get to the place where like, great. So not everyone's doing a G2 afterwards. So how do we nudge them on that? And so it's just like subtle, slow nudges. No, I love it. Okay. So we talked about the very first part about how you built this 30% month over month user growth engine. Now we got the first phase, which was build a testimonial part of it, that testimony engine. What was like kind of the next big thing that you did to really drive a lot of this user growth? Yeah. So, I mean, fundamentally, our, we do benefit from a product which is inherently viral, right? When we sign somebody up, we will send emails on their behalf to people saying, I don't know you. Uh, here's how to reach me. And so that spreads the word as well too, which is brilliant. In addition, we've kind of juiced that a little further with some of the, with another growth loop, which is every time somebody donates, we will clear bit that person. We will find out their information and then we will drop them a little LinkedIn invite, which says something to the effect of, 
thanks for your don't so need to see your donation via game. You know, means an extra lot of like a CEO or executive at the company drops you a note. Generally, the reaction back is like, wow, this is so cool and so new. Then we follow it up with, you know, uh, text plays type of thing. It's like, hey, thanks so much. Let us know any feedback. Generally, they're like, oh, here's some amazing things that we are already working on. And then we're like, that's amazing. Like, please share it out more. And so we're turning just in that, we're able to turn those people into advocates as well, too. Interesting. And I have been a part of this. <laughs> I remember I signed up and I was like, it was literally you reaching. I was like, oh, this is so cool. They were like paying attention to everyone, uh, which I think is is really just to credit. Like, okay, early days, do things that just aren't that scalable and really build that connection. Identify too, like who are those power users? Because in this case, it's like, okay, the user, if I understand correctly, they don't pay anything. It's the other people that pay the donations side of things that pay, right? Bingo, exactly. Yeah, we are giving this away to millions of people. But to your point, like yeah. you got to hack till you get to kind of critical mass, right? I think within totally. certain, like if you're in Martech, you probably have heard about Gated at this point, but other places haven't. And so I think we're we're definitely working on these do things that don't scale. I was really talking to our new head of CS today. I was like, yeah, some of these things we are doing, we will not do when we're at 20,000 users. And so, but they're really important to kind of break through on those early types of things. And so you know, we're a little different. We're a little uncomfortable. Like a Calendly um, is a perfect comp, right? Which is, and we've spent a lot of time with, with their investors and folks, and they've been really helpful for us. You know, they felt for a while, it felt weird. It felt awkward. And they were, you know, it took them a couple of years to really start to take off. And, you know, once you got to a critical mass, you're like, I've seen six Calendly's and I know what to do with them. It made sense. I think similarly, the first time you get a gated challenge email, like, what is this thing? Has your email been hacked? And then when you read it, you understand what to do. And so for us, like that momentum of getting to critical mass is important. And we're doing a lot of those things to not to hack it, but to kind of like grease it up a little bit to go faster. Yeah, oh, for sure. Okay, so step two was just like bake that viral part in your product. And I think with like some of the people listening, like, oh, I wish I could do that. Like send an email to everyone that's, that obviously wasn't in my network too. But I think there's there's something there that some products definitely do have that inherent virality that is really, really powerful. I know I was talking to Olaf who runs Mixmax and there's a very similar thing too. There's he has this, uh, if anyone searches on YouTube, Olaf, Mixmax, product-led, you'll find his talk. He goes through the five different types of product virality. And this is definitely one of them. It's like the inherent, you just have to do it as far as using your product. So that's unique to you and a lot of other companies in this situation, which is awesome. Now, the third thing was really just like reaching out, kind of like hugging <laughs> the supporters, whether it's like through that LinkedIn message, kind of understanding that. What do you say in that particular case? Like when you reach out to someone who's just donated, what's the typical, I guess, like reach out and then response that you would get? We found it. Thank you. It's it. In some version of that, our product inherently creates, it's different, it's unique. And people are like generally wowed by something different and unique. And so oftentimes just say, hey, thanks for the shout out. You know, thanks for the donation people will then come back with like, wow, that was so cool. That was so innovative. And I think in two years, like <laughs> people are like, oh yeah, I get it. I do have a fun Mr. Rogers emoji when somebody donates for like the third or fourth time, right? Which is like, need to see you again. Um, and so you have a little fun with it. You put some on there, but like we're seeing donators come back and donate like for it. Like I've seen now somebody donate, push a blast on a, a send on a blast, donate like five or six times to like five or six of our users at once. And right, so we're starting to get like blown away by that. Yeah, quickly we're getting to the point. Where, also, here's the other thing too. Like, we do automate, right? So 
every sender for a while, I would do every sender would get a LinkedIn for me. Now it's down to like 5% of people that are really interesting and personal. But we now have an automated email that goes out from SendGrid, which says, hey, you know, thanks so much for your email, for your donation. Looks like so-and-so has responded to you already. And then people are like excited about those and we hear back from those. So, you know, we automate, but we're very thoughtful that we want to see the growth loop work first before we automate. Totally. I like that. And so we got the first three steps, the foundation. <laughs> what was kind of next as far as what you tackle? We wanted so early on, we have some very senior folks in the sales slash outbound side of the world that have invested and advise us. We wanted to early on they said like this needs to work for both sides, right? So we are in essence a two-sided marketplace. We help users, we take off, call it 30 to 50% of the user's email. So senders they received this challenge email um, and we wanted to make sure that they didn't fear it. So the first thing and the reason, that, you know, so early on, there's this reaction of it's, email's always been free. Now I have to pay. So that is a mental barrier for users if they get too much pushback back there. And so we spent a lot of time early on making sure that we're not about shutting down someone's inbox. We're about reducing the noise to benefit both sides. And so we've been telling that story. Um, we've also got, I think, like 50 to 60 sender testimonials of like, God, I hated data when I first saw it. But then I realized how it actually helped me. And I started to see that instead of getting a 2% reply rate, I could actually get more like a... So our average for a donation reply rate from our users is 46%. So we're 20xing reply rate. It's blowing people's minds. And so we needed to tell that story to make sure that the other side of the marketplace was receptive to what we were doing. Right. Okay. So how do you kind of go about that? Was it just like getting and compiling those specific like challenger testimonials of like, I hated this, but then I loved it. Or was it something else that kind of got the, what would you describe them? I know in a typical story, it's like there's the hero and then there's a villain kind of thing. And you're always trying to like balance the two. But how did you go about this whole process? What did it look like for that outcome? We started talking, started listening to people, right? Like yeah. people, they, they would get the, hey, cool to see your donation. And then be like, Dang, you know, this is interesting. And I'd be like, cool, what comments do you have? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to donate it again because like, this is just a one-time thing. And I'm like, oh, cool. Well, did you know the stats are this? And, and then generally in that time frame, they would also get a reply and they would be like, oh my God, right? And so then you would, then you would ask them. I think it, testimonials is about asking people, period. And if, you know, like, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? So the, hey, would you mind doing this? Or would you mind sharing? Or would you mind talking about your experience. And I think people are people love to do that, especially for something new and innovative, right? Like if you're the 40-second tool that's doing something, you're not going to get a lot of people talking about you um, as well. Right. Okay. So I'm going to title this step, Battle the Resistance. Or maybe it's also something else about just like yeah. identifying, you know, eliminate some of that resistance as best as you can and confront it, those specific objections. I think so. Yeah, it's um, we're spending a lot of time right now thinking through why. I mean, like we're growing, call it thirty percent month over month. We want to grow faster. Like our goal is to give this away to millions of people. And so, what are the reasons that are stopping people from signing up? And I'm sure Kelly went through the same thing. You're like, I don't know. Do I need this thing? Do I need it? And then you're like, you become ubiquitous. And so, I think we're spending a lot of time trying to understand the mindset there um, and why are people doing that. I think the testimonials are ironically providing us with the content to be able to educate new people on this well too. So yeah, it's, it's almost like really understanding 
the objections really well. I think we're now deep in that because I think that's moving from, it's the cross and the chasm thing, right? Which you've probably seen a lot of companies. Like how do you go from early adopters to later? I think what we found is a lot of the mis, uh, a lot of the perceptions that scare people away don't really exist. And so how do we then, how do we then explain those? Yeah, totally understands what you mean. And going through it right now, (laughs) early days, it's like, you know, it's just early adopters. And now it's like, okay, it's the main thing. Different communication, like, is how you describe it and all these other things too. So I love it. Confront. Yeah, you're probably also dealing with the, um, you know, it becomes such a big buzzword. Yes. That uh, that how do you make sure it doesn't like jump the shark and it it stops meaning anything to anybody like ABM has done or anything like that, which is, you know, a really interesting thing. I think, you know, people ask us early on, what happens if everyone just donates? And so we spent a lot of time thinking about that early, which is, no, the user controls how much it costs to reach them. So we had one user on board, um, CEO Sendoso. I think he had like 12 donations in the first week. And so we called up Chris and we said, can you move your donation up to a higher price? And he did it. And, and so I think that's another area where we've anticipated in our product, how our product will change behaviors as well, too. Totally. Okay. Well, any other ideas or ways that you could give like another... Uh, company ideas around how to leverage those specific objections because I think like it sounds like one of those simple steps. It's like, oh, of course, like just like you know, if people say, oh, that I struggle with this, now I don't, kind of thing. That's good and all, but what are some of the ways that you found it best to kind of utilize that, operationalize it in any other ways? Because these people, if you kind of conquer those specific objections, they're they're going to be using this product. They're going to be donating more. Um, and in your case, this is actually like really, really helping a lot of different charities and stuff be successful. Yeah, I'll drop it to you in a LinkedIn um, actually right now, but we've started to ask. Um, so I'm just, I literally am sending, it says, I'm curious if you've considered gated for your email. If not a fit, I'd love to understand why. These insights are valuable to us. Like that has been huge. Like not being afraid to ask the question. I think a lot of people like dance around it and do whatever, but if you're doing that, so I'd literally just DM you that. And then my challenge to you will be, uh, tell me why we can't get you to sign up for me. It makes a ton of sense. And it's like a really simple question and just gets people like going through that part. But okay, let's say I respond to that. How are you going to use it and utilize it within your business? Well, first, I think when people verbalize their fears, a lot of people end up signing up, right? Like I think the aha for us was like, wow, we went back through and you know, I think we've got like 3,000 followers on LinkedIn now. We went back through and asked like a thousand people that were the closest fit to our ICP on that. Um, hey, why haven't you signed up? And Oops, a lot of people actually did. Um, and so I think there's like creating urgency is one thing and understanding what that is. And then the second one, I think, is you're iterating on your marketing materials, both what you're sharing out on social, but also like changing your website constantly to try to convert better off of that. Totally. Okay. So we got that part, converting the objections. What is the kind of next big thing that you went ahead and did to really ramp up that user growth? Well, we realized uh, it's actually rolling out next week. Oh, two things. One is we're totally revamping the onboarding flow again because we learn from that. And so we can learn like what questions are people asking once they've signed up? Because the interesting thing about ours is we don't control the client. You get to continue to use your email client. So we don't control the UX where we can educate you fully. So what we have to do is educate you during the onboarding flow. That's one. I'd say the other one is we currently, you know, we were using Google OAuth to figure out who was trying to sign up. And so we learned that 70% of, you know, like call it 50% of the people were not making it through OAuth. 
but we didn't know who those people were. <laughs> so we're going to capture that email and, and then we'll chase them. You know, and so tweaking our sign up flow to look a lot more like Calendly's, which is before we send you to OAuth, let's ask you what your email is, and then we then we have something there. So that'll give us, you know, that'll double the amount of people that we can talk to on that side. Totally. So you revamped the onboarding. What did you do specifically different? You mentioned like, okay, we have more of those questions that people might have, and anything else that like was significantly different with like this iteration versus the last iteration? Yeah. So number one, social proof. As I said, we've got hundreds of testimonials. So now we ask people like, why are you most excited about Gated? And then when they answer that, we will pop up the relevant social proof. And then when you're waiting, there'll be a quote from somebody as well too. So we've got probably, you'll probably see between three to five social proof statements and photos of people during the onboarding flow, like when you're waiting for different moments. Number two is we explained better what the experience will look like once you hit your inbox. And then we dramatically simplified maybe some of the other complex concepts that we were trying to explain for people. So we we realized we were trying to explain too much in the onboarding flow. And so we narrowed it down to like, what are the simplest things? Interesting. Okay. So with that example, I just want to sign up again <laughs> because I'm like, I want to see all that. Wait, wait, wait until Friday. We're also launching on product on uh, in two days. So uh, right. please, please come back. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a video too. But uh, yeah, I got to get you back. Up. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I want to check it out. That sounds awesome. Now, some people might be wondering like, you know what, like social proof, that that stuff's for like, you know, the prior to the sign up page, like to get people excited to know, you know, like a, a good company, all that stuff. Why is it part of your sign up experience? I, I want to know that part. I'm not like challenging you and saying that's not a good idea. I, I really want to know because motivation is like key when it comes to getting anyone to change any behavior. So I love to just learn a little bit more about it because it is a new case. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Um, I mean, at a fundamental level, I think there are plenty of people that are signing up for Gated that don't fully understand what we do yet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, definitely when we launched like two months ago, we had a lot of like salespeople sign up. And we're like, no, it's not for you. So I think if we can, we, we're trying to both educate and make you more committed to that process, right? So if we keep you past the first week and there's a little bit of like, wow, like 30 to 40% of my emails no longer in my inbox, it's somewhere else. So we got to get you through that. If we keep you through that, there's literally no reason you'll ever leave Gated, right? It doesn't take a lot of effort. There's no like active user type of thing. You don't have to log in. Um, I think you were on for a day, probably just to play around with it, but uh, I got to go get you back to sign up and to, and, and reactivate. So <laughs> you were one of the people we didn't keep for the full time. And so I think a lot of it is like social proof is one of those ways. Plus also like, I think people are coming in with misperceptions of... I so the biggest misperception we've seen is I will miss a lot of email. We're like, no, it's right there, right over there on the left hand folder, um, not in your inbox anymore. You can go see it at any time. We're literally not like walling off this email in some deleted box and then revealing it. It's just there. And so I think we still need to educate during the onboarding flow. I don't think we should assume that everybody has read our website. Like a lot of people are like, wow, <laughs> these other 10 people I know are using it. Let me go try it. But I don't think... And so then we just had to narrow it down to what's the minimum stuff that we need to educate people on and how do we do it as simply as possible. I think another key thing in onboarding is we try, we, we think really deeply about what decisions should we make for you versus what ones do you need to make? So two good examples are we default everybody to Doctors Without Borders. Um, it's a great charity making great impact in Ukraine. Yeah. We may change it to something else at some future date, but that's what we do. Then you can come on and pick a different charity but we don't force you to, 
right? So we didn't like that's an additional cognitive load. We also default to everyone a two dollar minimum donation. You could raise it at any time, but we're going to start you there. And most people just don't touch that default. And so I think a lot of it is what decisions do you really need to make to get this thing set up? And so we've minimized those. I love it too because a lot of times. You know, a lot of that customizability is cool and all, but it does get in the way of, okay, what is the minimum time value for this particular product? And you start adding all those different things like, okay, now what charity, now what things do you want? And in some cases, I think like maybe you could experiment and say the inverse, like, yeah, actually people might care more and be more motivated if they get to pick the charity. But you know what? For just the first time, this is pretty darn cool. Who, you know, you start... Donating doctors to the border, that's amazing. Good for you. Um, and then you could always change it to something that you do want to support more, or maybe something else is, is changed going on in the world. You're like, okay, more Ukraine help uh, for sure. So that makes a ton of sense. I love that part. And one thing I'll kind of double click on here too, that I think a lot of other people need to pay attention to is when it comes to onboarding, there's like layers. It's like there's product onboarding, which a lot of people just think it's it's just that. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not. The other layer is like that education onboarding layer that you're talking about, which is really quite critical as far as, okay, like what does someone need to know about this product? Not just from like a perspective of like, what do they need to do, but what can this do? And also what can't this do? And so really going people through those key things, like you mentioned, like, oh, I can actually see all the other emails. I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I was like, am I going to lose all these emails? Some of them could be valuable. So like, if i known that, some of those things would definitely make a ton of sense. So I love that. And that's also going back to those objections, which I think is really quite something when you're front-loading, you're onboarding with like, hey, <laughs> we know that like, you know, 40% of people have this objection. and Yet you see like, oh, it's not that good. <laughs> That's just as helpful as like, we do this pretty thing. Like you can book meetings all you want kind of thing, like calendar or something like that. So I love that part. So that's the fifth step. Oh, I was going to say one, one more thing on that too. Like when we onboard somebody, we scan their last 18 months of emails sent. We never look at the contents, but we look at the sentence. So we are able to fully build your default allow list for you, right? So we basically, people are like, oh, I'm going to have to do a lot of work. But the beauty of the other thing we figured out is like, how do we make the system do all that work for you? The scan is probably the most complicated part of our code. <laughs> but we do that first 18 months of scan. We, we say basically, if you've ever emailed anybody, you're fine. And then we say, here are all the domains you've communicated with sorted by frequency. And you can just say, I trust these 10, right? So within two minutes, you can have your full allow list built. And then the system's just learning from you, right? So there literally is no decision that a user needs to make to be fully set up in life, except maybe like some domains that they just are like under no circumstance, do I not want this one in my inbox? Um, but beyond that, like we don't ask for anything from anybody. And I think yeah. there's a lot of power behind the scenes, but one of our core product mantras is simple, simple, simple. And so we've been trying to make this thing as easy as possible. Yeah, it's funny. There's a cooking analogy I'll share with you. This is from, it's not mine, it's from the uh, CPO at grow.com mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. And so it's kind of interesting. It's like a lot of people sign up for SaaS products and they think it's going to be what you just described, which is like you show up to the restaurant, you sit down, you see a menu, you get the food. That's all there is to it. It's turnkey, it's just easy. Now, what a lot of SaaS products have is <laughs> you show up to the restaurant. 
and you see whatever the the host and instead of taking you to their seat uh, where you expect to order the food, they take you to the kitchen. They hand you the spatula. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah. you got to cook everything yourself. You got to make all the decisions. Like, oh no, like this isn't what I wanted. And I thought it said five minutes, I get the value or whatever. So the goal, the golden standard is definitely what you're, you're suggesting is get people to that point as soon as possible. Give them their food. They're hungry. Don't just get them to cook it all themselves. Yeah. And then and just a term you used earlier, like minimal time to value, right? So like, yeah. we're, we're to value in minutes, right? Your inbox is you know, filtering in minutes and it's doing that. And so like you wake up the next morning and it's only people, you know, not people you don't. And so I think that's a, you know, like minimal time to value those moments of delight and like idiot simple for onboarding is all great. Yeah. I think where we need to spend more time on now is just explaining those fears to people that, you know, like have seen Gated 12 times, but didn't know how powerful it could be for them. And so that's like where now it's more marketing messaging than it is like the product itself. Yeah. And how do you kind of decide the criteria of, you know what, we're going to make this decision for you versus, you know what, like this is a decision like you should make later or you can't obviously change it if you want to like up the amount of money like people spend to talk to you. Like if it's, you know, a CEO of like a Fortune 500, I'm sure like they could get more than $2 um, from some people and support more causes and all that stuff too. So curious like how do you think about that because you've made some decisions where it's like we're just going to make this for you right now and then when you're more experienced you can always change it if you want and then there's some i'm sure you just decided okay we're just going to decide this period for you so you don't have to worry about it i think there was that nine months of just talking to our users and understanding what mattered to them and also what didn't matter to them and then i think the other approach we've taken is when you land on your dashboard we're going to put those optional things, right? So when you are done onboarding, which is basically just watching a, a fun animated like 30 second tutorial, um, that's pretty much it. And then you're presented with three things you can do or you can dismiss. One is customize your charity. Two, and eventually it'll also be customize your challenge email, which you can do now. You just got to work with support. Two is like allow any domains. So like if you just, anybody will automatically, is another good example. If you're at product led, and that's your domain, like we're going to automatically default that one in as well, right? <laughs> we don't figure you want your internal people to be challenged. Um, so we're making those types of decisions for you. Yeah. There's a lot of other decisions, actually, I realize we make for people now. And then the final one is like, here's how to use it in your inbox. And that's it, right? And so I think if you take a decision away from somebody, you need to make it clear for them how to override that decision later on. Okay. So in that beta, you found what obviously like people do and they don't care that much about. How did you? go through that whole process? Because I imagine there was probably quite a few decisions where you were like, hmm, I don't know about this one. Is it just as simple as asking them doing a survey? Or was there something more methodical as far as like how you kind of went about that whole process? I think it's more like you know putting 60, 70 people on a beta. So people don't really care. It was more just observing. And you know, so we started off defaulting into allowing people to pick their nonprofit. And it was messy and confusion. And then we at one point were like, we're just going to default it in. And nobody really asked. People would, you know, like 30 to 40% of people would be like, hey, can I customize it? And then when we made it more visible, like 50 to 60% of people did. But we also watched like what percentage of people never moved off the default. We default everyone at two bucks, like the vast majority of people never move off of $2 unless we ping them and say, hey, you're getting way too many donations. Like you might want to bump your price up. And so, like, we just watched where people cared to make those decisions. I think the value people care about for us is 
are we saving you from unknown people pummeling your email? That's what they care about. And then from there, like, what's the nonprofit? Like, that's nice. You know, a portion of people care about it, but not everybody cares about it. Yeah. And what I like here too is when you were talking about like your already like customers too, where they're getting like too many donations, uh, it's a great problem to have. But it's like, okay, like now's the time where they're, they might be ready to be like, okay, do you receive even less email? Which goes back to your core value prop too. It's like, yeah, actually I do. And, you know, change it to five bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so most people will say like, hey, you know, we probably suggest you move it up. Be like, okay. And so then we just do it for them. And that's, you know, we ask for permission before we do that. Totally. Awesome. So I love that part. Now, we're running short on time. I will recap the top five things you did to get to that 30% user growth, which is amazing, by the way. And then I want you to think about, while I'm going through it, what's like the one or two things that you would have done differently to really you know, continue this growth. So first things first, what you did, if I can read my own writing here, <laughs> there was the beta that you did with the 50 to 100 people. And oh, okay. First things first was the testimony engine. That was the very first part. You had the type four of you went through, found out like what are some of those big things that they found impactful, got it in their own words. What were their biggest objections? Two, it was just building viral products, baking that virality into what you do so that whenever people reach out to these users, they're immediately reminded that if they want to get in contact, they have to get gated. Three, every time someone donates, you just reached out manually. So you did a lot of these things that just didn't scale. Um, to really just hug the supporters, understand them, and get to know them better. And then four, was really just confront some of those big objections. So what do people... Think they know about this product, but might not know what are some of those big things that hold them back. Um, because this is one of the key things from going from that early adopters to you know early majority uh, in the cross and chasm to be like, what is holding them back? And then what you did after that step five was really just revamp that onboarding flow. So what are some of those big things that you have identified as objections that people should know that might actually be holding them back from you know reinstalling this, uh, getting it ready to go. And what you did very strategically was you leveraged all those testimonies from a testimony engine to really ask people like, okay, what are you most looking forward to in this product? And boom, here's all these testimonials that are just about that. So it was very contextual um, yes. and a really great way of building that support. So a question to you, anything else as far as this whole journey goes? I know you've got a ton of experience. What like one or two things might you recommend for someone uh, who's on the journey of just really growing or through use of it so you recommend them for, to do? Gosh, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully this has been helpful for folks. It's like we love sharing our thoughts and thanks for doing this. I, I'd say it's more like to the question of what haven't we done that we should have. I'd say we have not built any of the out-of-the-box standard PLG features. There is no signature at the bottom of the email right now, which is a pretty much of a no-brainer that we got to get to. There is no ability to invite people, right? Like, and given how much user love there are. And so we've we've missed out on some of those things while we've maybe focused on the scalability. And I think the knowing how like we're scaling 30%, but still a small base, right? And so like where should we invest in like scalability of the platform versus like virality of the platform? And so I think we're now going back and over the next couple months, people start to see a lot more of those like viral features. So I think that may be an area where we look back and we're like, yeah, we could have done those a little bit earlier. Totally. Well, I mean, at the same 
that challenge that too. I think there's sometimes companies might start off the other way too, where it's like, okay, we're going to bake virality into everything. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put our logo on that. And we're going to put our logo on that. <laughs> then you end up with this, like this thing where it's like, no one wants to use it because I'm just like this biggest brand advocate. The product's not that good. It's not that scalable. So it is a fine balance on all these things too. But I think the order that you did these things really makes sense because what you're doing is just like building a ton of like that foundation is that social purpose as far as like happy, successful customers, understanding them better, understanding their objections, and then just utilizing that and empowering that in every way of the business through the onboarding and everything else. So Andy, like where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, gated.com is uh, the domain. Great story on how we got that. And then Andy at gated.com. Like I am totally comfortable with people emailing me. My email happens to be gated. So if you donate, I guarantee you're <laughs> Yes. You'll support a great cause. <laughs> there you, you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Andy. Thanks. This is a really fun list. You guys are doing great stuff in your world. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, We will definitely create more content just like this episode. And if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.